At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I am James Hinchcliffe. Cool. And that is Alex Rossi somewhere in the background clicking and clapping and probably petting a dog. Yeah, what are you doing over there? Playing with my lighter, James got me. <laughs> oh, okay. Don't you love Playing that with a lighter, okay. This is a, this it, is a no, it's a great sound. There's a reason there's a Zippo on the back of my helmet. I'm obsessed with lighters. Fair enough. So, uh, what have you guys been up to lately? Been out and about? <laughs> um, no. Sure <laughs> Spending a lot of time in public, uh, in groups of 10 or more, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite, the 10 or more. T- touching my face a lot. Um, try- <laughs> trying to actively not wash my hands. <laughs> Refusing to wash my hands under any circumstances whatsoever. Um, but Tim, yeah, uh, the world changed a bit. Tim, Tim, yeah, no, it did. Uh, the big news is you don't have any appendixes anymore. I did, yeah. Uh, me and my appendix had a fallen out. Um, it was being a bit of a dick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was not the best time to go to the hospital. But I, I had appendicitis last Tuesday. Uh, went in to the ER in Indianapolis. Obviously missed my flight back to LA and uh, got got myself a little emergency appendectomy. So what, so you're, was, just, you're just not going to rebook that flight back to L.A.? <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of, we're just going to kind of wait things out here. So, uh, so I'm just hanging tight. Well, fortunately, there's a lockdown, James, so we're safe. Yeah, as I say, I don't know how you feel about it. I don't love it. So if we want to pitch in and get him a ticket back to L.A., I'm, I'm all down for that. <laughs> well, you know, I, my goal was to lose weight, and I don't know how much an appendix weighs, but... Uh... But at least I did that. Not enough, Tim. Not enough. <laughs> yeah. Did I'll you get you, no, Did no. you get like any money for donating it or no? No. And you know what? I asked if I could keep it. So like <laughs> I, I was admittedly I was pretty high because they, they gave me morphine as soon as I came in. And then they were like prepping me for surgery. And I had the mask on. And I was like, what do you guys do with it after? I'm like, what? I said, do I get to keep it? And they're like, just kind of looked at me and shook their heads. And that's the last thing I remember before I fell asleep. That's fair. Now, Alex, I want I want you to remember two things. First of all, he had to get it removed because it wasn't really functioning properly, not because it was in great shape. So I'm not sure you'd want to donate it to anybody. And secondly, you can True. get it removed because nobody actually needs it. So nobody's on the donor list for an appendix. Yeah, that's a good point. Nobody, nobody needs... I don't even know what you would call that. What's the no. opposite of an appendectomy? <laughs> well, you know what, guys, I've been getting uh, I get I get a lot of grief from you guys because we uh, we don't we don't ever have guests anymore. We have a guest today. Admittedly, I didn't book we do. him. Alex and Alex got him, but <laughs> it's pretty exciting though. He's one of the most famous guests I think we've ever had on. But uh, but Alex came through in a clutch, and uh, yeah, guys, we're going back to a format where we actually have a guest here. 
on off track with Hinch and Rossi. So without further ado, why don't we head straight in to our interview? What's up, guys? Another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I'm Alex. I'm not going to bother introducing Tim. And as much as you all probably want to hear from James, I'm pretty excited about today what we have in store for you. Uh, very special guest joining the show. He uh, He's a lot of things. He's a um, pretty much a real-life action figure. Um, he's a sports idol icon, someone that I... Um, have watched with immense interest um, throughout my entire life doing crazy stuff all over the world. Um, Travis Pastrana, X Games gold medalist, um, has won in pretty much everything that has wheels or uh, doesn't. So um, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Everyone likes a good yard sale. I was wondering where that was going for sure. So thanks. That was that was an awesome intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I, I definitely was. <laughs> So it definitely covered a lot of the bases. I mean, you missed guy that jumped out of a plane without a parachute, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I mean, let's first start off with, um, I got the, James and I, well, we both got the pleasure of racing against or with Travis, I guess, in, in some aspects at the Race of Champions in Miami uh, in, what, was it January of 2017? Um, I know that James sure. and I kind of struggled there travis just because it was hard how did how did you find that whole experience uh well racing you guys was great thanks for uh, helping me get by i think it was uh it was you two and then and vettel so i got, I got into the next round and then i didn't win anything for the rest of the the event so <laughs> i don't think i won a single heat to be honest i beat scott speed which was like enough that kind of qualified me into the event. But other than that, I don't think You're I, like I did anything. You're like quasi-teammate Scott Speed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what did, did you What did you do, James? I, well, I won the skills competition, and Vettel was second, so just saying. But whatever. Like, nobody's counting. No, it doesn't really matter what happened. What happened was that you and I in the actual, like, Nations Cup and or, like, IndyCar drivers versus rest of the world, we, we stank pretty considerably. <laughs> Seems- so... Um, well, for the, for the for the second day, um, it was actually uh, Kyle Bush. He said, "Look, uh, <laughs> um, shoot, uh, what's his name? Was uh, absolutely Petter Solberg was pretty much unbeatable. They're like, he's going to be the final. He's going to be the last guy." Uh, Kyle says, "I want you to go down and get him so drunk that he cannot compete. <laughs> he could not stand up for the skills test, but." He was amazing and absolutely crushed it like all the Scandinavians do. And he did uh, win the final heat um, and was able to to win for them. So I, I failed multiple levels. But I, I tell you, I learned a lot about Kyle there, although he did have a little scuffle with uh, Vettel, which was really funny. Um, Vettel was uh, making fun of him for having a gut, telling him he wasn't a real racer. And then um, Vettel was make, or then Kyle Bush made fun of Vettel's slippers. Um, which Vettel didn't really understand. He's like, yes, there are .002 ounces. And, uh, it, was, it was a really funny kind of argument. So then at 6 a.m., Kyle Busch was already down at Race of Champions. He like, calls me up after he tells me to get Petter Solberg um, you know, to, to help encourage him to, to continue drinking after night one. Um, he goes... And he's wondering why I'm not there at 6 a.m. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we just got that. we just got out of the after party. He said, well, I need <laughs> you here. And we're going to go over all the uh, basically the information from all the cars. So he had every 
download of every single vehicle, knowing which vehicles got the new tires and the lap times. And he made friends with every single race team there um, just for a slight competitive advantage. So it was, I was pretty interesting. Weird, James. We didn't, we didn't do any of that or get invited. No, to we, we, here's the thing. I was going to say, we didn't do either the partying or the obsessive preparation. We were just kind of there. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like we screwed this up because we didn't at least go yeah, to you party guys with all on your Petter own. and Travis and we didn't go to like get the competitive advantage like Kyle. So huh. I, I don't even, maybe I know why we weren't invited back. That makes that makes more sense <laughs> to me. <there. laughs> so, uh, Travis, you're a guy that's literally raced everything, two wheels and four wheels. You got to go to the race of champions, and we got to sample a bunch of different stuff. Now, granted, all four wheels, but of all the things that were in the race of champions, which was your favorite thing to go thrash around the course there? Um, you know, I was I was really looking forward to getting into the the NASCAR, but. Um, I, I tell you, with Coulthard talking so much smack on everyone, and then the NASCAR guys kind of trying to back it up, uh, Kurt Busch uh, not stole it, but he that was the most amazing race I may have ever seen in my entire life was those guys. I mean, they took the front brake bias completely out of the V8 like NASCARs because you had to actually use a handbrake, which NASCARs don't have, to get it around one of the tight corners, which is why I feel uh, on a tangent here that Scott Speed – Scott refuses to use handbrake. He likes to drive everything through. So I think if Scott would have used the handbrake, uh, he might have been a more competitive uh, uh, teammate because he was faster pretty much everywhere else in the track. But I, I think the V8 or the V8 uh, NASCARs would have been probably the most fun on that little course. Do you guys get a chance to drive those or no? No, I did. Um, also, wasn't aware there was a handbrake, so that uh, probably another reason why I wasn't invited back. Didn't even know how to drive the car. So cool. <laughs> I'm learning so many things three years later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. So um, I want to ask, Travis, one of my favorite things that I've kind of seen you do, at, at least from the just the visuals of it, was your, your kind of ode to, to Evil Knievel in, in Vegas. Um, I think it was last year. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But where did the A, inspiration for that come from? And B, like, was it ever... A question in your mind whether it, all three of those jumps were going to go through as, as successfully as they did? Um, I'm kind of in a very strange position with, uh, you know, kind of Nitro Circus and, um, you know, having a family now and then trying to slow down a little bit. But that so every month, most of the networks come to Nitro Circus and they say, hey, this is kind of what we're looking for, um, you know, and, and some are good ideas and some we, we pass on or, or we use creative. Um, so history came to Nitro and said, hey, we want a live stunt, but we have to have something with a lot of of history, obviously, um, being how that was the, the channel. And we want to do a whole story. And, and for Nitro, our main goal, or my main goal at least, is to build up action sports and build enthusiasm for racing and just kind of get people off of video games, which obviously now, um, you know, I racing, I don't really count as a video game, right? That was, that was kind of fun this last week, but, uh, <laughs> um, the main goal for, for us is to kind of build interest and kind of show, you know, the heroes of the past and, and why these sports are, are so entertaining for us uh, to the next generation. So, um, uh, Dave Mateus, who is one of the guys that puts on all the events for like Nitro world games and the, the big live events that we do, he's like, dude, well, we got to do evil Knievel. Um, so at that point I was like, yes, this would be so cool. So jokingly, I'm like, 
hey, I want to jump Caesar's fountain. Um, right. So they got they, they got Caesar's on the phone. I don't know who they called or what. They're like, oh yeah, that won't be a problem. You got to be kidding me. So careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Um, <laughs> but the the cool part with having just a big enough company with Nitro Circus and just enough success, um, people don't question a lot. It's like, hey, you want to jump out of a plane without a parachute? Yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, so you kind of got to like be the devil's advocate for yourself. Um, but then I had just earlier that year kind of promised my wife, I'm like, look, I'm not doing any of the big stunts. I'm not doing you know stuff with with nitro we're just gonna you know do the fun stuff try to promote it and then you know i'll be the voice and the announcer but this came up and i thought you know like this i know i can do that but like there's no everyone said how much do you paid i'm like there's not one more dime for doing it or not doing it. sorry go ahead <laughs> um yeah so uh but at the end of the day it was like if this happens and we get to tell this amazing story on history and there's a lot of wind or there's rain, not that there's ever rain in, in Vegas, but, you know, just the off chance of something happens or, um, you know, the guy crashes on the first jump and, and breaks the wrist. You, you still got to get up. And the one thing um, talking to the Knievel family and spending a lot of time in Butte, Montana, was like, if you're going to give a tribute to evil Knievel, his motto was you're not a failure unless you fail to get back up. So whoever started that day, no matter bike broken half, whatever. Um, you had to get back up. You had to finish it. And I said, you know what? Like, this is something that if kind of a, not a last hurrah for me, but if we're going to give a true tribute to evil Knievel, I, I want to be that guy. And I want to make sure it's kind of in, in our control. And um, it ended up being the highest, uh, highest rated show um, on, on cable, which was uh, for the whole year, which was really awesome for Nitro Circus. Um, had a lot of like parents and grandparents say that they got to you know sit down for the first time with their kids watching you know, a motorsport, not that it's, you know, a sport like, right. like racing, but, um, it was, it was a really, really awesome opportunity. It crossed, sure. it crossed generations. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. That's, that's very, very cool. Was this, this whole kind of part of sports that you have kind of taken on, was that always a goal of yours or did it kind of just fall into your lap or, or how did this whole journey start? Um, well, <laughs> I guess the, the, kind of the shortest long version I can give of that. My, uh, my uncle was quarterback for the Denver Broncos, uh, 69 and, and 70 got knocked out by the guy high tower on police Academy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he was like, you will never learn how to, you'll never play football. It's way too dangerous. So I was like, thanks uncle Alan. I got a motorcycle for my fourth birthday and, and went that, um, you know, kind of that direction. But my dad always said, look, your uncle Alan was the greatest athlete that's ever come out of Annapolis and probably ever come out of Maryland. And he still works at the community college teaching uh, health. And uh, they call him Coach P because he's the lacrosse and football coach up there still uh, to, you know, to this day and uh, cooks lunch for, uh, for all my uncles that work at the construction company, just a family, small construction company, uh, you know, every day during the week. So you're never going to make it as a, as a pro athlete. But any day that you can do what you love for a living, do it. And um, I kind of just always took that as my – uh, inspiration, whether it's good, bad, and different. I mean, people say, oh, you should have stuck to racing. You should have done this. You should have done that. But always follow my heart. And, um, you know, as a kid, I was always like, I'm never going to grow up. And my dad laughed. He's like, you know, I built a skate park in my backyard at, at 32 years old. He's like, wow, you really still make a living on kids' toys. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you, you do the kids' toy stuff. You, you, you still have a skate park in your backyard. You've done motocross. You do stunts. You've raced NASCAR. You've raced rallycross. X Games, 
what did what does Travis Pastrana call himself? Like, what do you when you fill out your taxes? What does you what do you put as your occupation? <laughs> yeah. I I don't even know. That's what everyone has. What, what do you do? Like, I I have no idea. For a while, I was like, I thought maybe I just crash stuff for a living, but to come up with <laughs> really everything. Bad ideas like, like, how does that work? <laughs> okay, so all right, so kind of on the bad ideas thing, I gotta say. I've, I've watched I've watched a decent amount of Nitro Circus, and there was an episode where you guys had to go to Panama because the stunts you wanted to do seemed too illegal for happening in, like, <laughs> the mainland United States. So when you go to places, like, outside the U.S. to do certain stunts because you don't think you're going to be allowed to do them here, does that actually make you want to do them more or less? Well, it costs more to do it ah, in the States. Um, there's a lot more insurances issue. and stuff. Like, you go to... You go to Panama, you give the guy a, a six pack who's building, you know, just the workers that are, are building the skyscrapers and you get a, a elevator. You don't have to walk to the top of any of the buildings. They're, you know, they're, they're going up and you base jump off and everyone cheers you on and the cops come and they give you a high five and you land and you're like, man, this is, this is great. Um, you know, obviously, there's, there's different, different problems down there as well. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, for us, it's finding the places that um, that want us and that we can do stuff. And um, in the States, it's a lot more difficult because lawyers are really good here. <laughs> um, so that is fair. When we did this, um, this, this Red Bull shoot, which we'll talk about later, but this kind of just leads into a question I had. We were, you were testing out a jump and you did it before you got into the, the GRC car. You got on a dirt bike and you tested it out, kind of the, the ramp and everything. And Remind me of what you said. You said no matter what it is, everything flies the same to a certain speed. And if it does it at speed X, then it'll be fine no matter what you're on. Was that am I somewhere in the ballpark there? Yeah. So right around 70 miles an hour for I'm not good with physics, but we've tested the theory often. Um, <laughs> so at about 70 miles an hour, uh, headwind uh, starts playing a much bigger factor. Um, so if you look at a motorcycle, it's, it's really skinny forward, uh, but a side wind will blow it you know, kind of out from under you because it's kind of like a big wing, if you will. Um, but like everyone's always says, Oh, well it's, it's heavier or it's bigger or it's, um, up to about 200 feet, which is what you can get at about 14 degrees takeoff ramp, uh, at, um, at 70 miles an hour or 72 mile an hour, approximately. Um, you can fly a bus. We loaded a bus down with just about everyone from nitro. We had like 12 people in it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. And jumped uh, jumped 185 feet or thereabout, just under 200 feet, um, and that was the exact same distance within five feet that a motorcycle went, um, and the same distance the car went. And then later, a tractor trailer jumped it, um, and went the exact same distance. <laughs> of course, so, of course, uh, it did. truck, just the front of it, not the not the whole trailer or anything. But um, yeah, so what we noticed though um, is about a 10 or 15 mile an hour headwind, anything after 65, 70 miles an hour uh, will exponentially affect a vehicle more. Uh, so we were testing for the Red Bull New Year No Limits jump. Um, and right about, I guess it was about 250 foot in distance, hitting about um, you know, 85, 90 miles an hour. And we went to lunch and came back three hours later, um, hit at the exact same speed and went 35 feet shorter. Um, so instead of clearing the landing by 15 feet, um, I was short by 20. The front tires didn't even make it to the landing. Bounce, flipped over, um, 
but what they did completely destroyed the car sucked but um that was interesting though and just to talk a little bit about red bull if you guys got two seconds not to but every year they go to all their athletes and they say hey when they were doing the new year no limit stuff they're like what can we do that's exciting that actually will help you guys um in your sports and at that point ken block had just started doing the Jim Connor stuff and he had been jumping the ford so much that he wasn't having to lift on all the G outs and the big, the big jumps that everyone else was kind of having to slow down to keep their cars, uh, you know, good in 2000, I guess, seven, eight, nine, kind of that range. Um, so we went and I was like, Hey, we got to do the biggest jump ever and basically get the suspension set up and working on it. And then that'll help the, the whole rally year and ended up winning the next, next three consecutive championships off road because, um, the car was unbreakable after we made the modification. So kind of a cool little program there. That's that's awesome. So, in terms of um, your time in, in in rallying, like, what do you, do you have something that you look back on as this was your your favorite thing to do? Whether it was on a dirt bike or on four wheels or what you're doing now, is there something that just stands out as that was that was awesome and and I wish I could have done that forever type thing? You know, I think any time where you're you're winning or you know with a TV series that we had on MTV, like they were just, they were good times, but you know, everything evolves and it changes. So I, I think, you know, like you guys know, if you're having a good season, even if it was hell, you look back on it, you're like, man, I wish I could do that again. I wish, you know, when things were just coming easy, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you got a good car or a good bike or good team or trainings on point, or you're not hurt or whatever it was. But, um, you know, for me with, um, with rally, it was those years where we had, you know, eight to 10 really good cars. You had uh, Tanner Faust, um, you had Ken Block, you had Andy Pinkard, um, you know, Ramana, uh, Lagerman, um, Antoine Lestage. And, you know, you went out there and it was like, you know, kind of like if you're NASCAR or IndyCar, there's, you're always battling. You could make a mistake. Um, and then rally after, you know, kind of when the economy dropped off, a lot of the big teams dropped off and everyone started going rally cross, um, which was good. And then uh, Topi came up short on a jump that wasn't built very good and, um, you know, broke his ankle, the car flipped over, caught on fire. Everyone in the U.S. said jumps aren't safe and they stopped building jumps. And then they started building parking lot demolition derby and all the funding was still away from rally where people were going to basically do parking lot demolition derbies. And then the sport kind of fell off a little bit. And, um, you know, now with, with World Games and Nitro, we kind of had a chance to bring back a little excitement. Um, to kind of the rally cross, and that's been uh, that's been a really kind of fun chapter of, of my life right now, which I'm kind of living. You know, you push yourself in a way that I think is pretty unique for for athletes. You know, the the competition side is one thing. You know, you've done like, like we've talked about everything on two and four wheels, but then you do these these stunts, these tricks. You've done them in the past. What what does it take to be someone? that's willing and able to do that? Like, what do you think it is about you that makes you so well suited to take on some of these challenges, being it competition wise, or frankly, just pure balls to go do some of these tricks and stunts that you do? Uh, well, everyone says you got to be fearless to be action sports, but I've found quite the opposite. Um, you know, most of the guys that get on top of the sports, they stay there for a while. So it's really analyzing risk and, and figuring out the times that it's worth it um, to, you know, to take more risk. Uh, I was always good at like the world championship events, bottom of the ninth, 
put everything on the line and you either win or you don't um, always struggle with championships because, you know, you got to accept a, a third or a fifth or whatever that, that day might, um, might kind of bring. And I wasn't very good at that. Always thought I could win. Always thought I was better than I was. So maybe overconfidence, I guess, but uh, no, it, it's interesting because when uh, Rossi and I got to, I was so excited and I really, I was like, man, I want to drive an Indy car. I want to drive an Indy car. And you know, once you took off on, on that, that car and, and I thought my rally cross car was quick, and I hit the gas, and and as soon as you your tires start stop spinning, you went by me like I was going backwards. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take that uh the Indy 500 <laughs> off of my bucket list. <laughs> like literally, and we were doing the, the jump over, and Rossi's like, hey, can I get in your car? And I almost said, hey, can I get in your Indy car? Because I think you're one of the few Indy car drivers that might be tall enough where I, I yeah. might actually tr- kind of almost fit. And I almost, because I know my team would have been like, yeah, Rossi wants to get in the, the Subi. Yeah, let's let him jump. And you were, I mean, you would have had no problem on the jump. But as cold as it was and the ice and me, I'm like, I'm going to crash that thing for sure. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mention it, but I got scared. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, obviously, you've seen the video now. It's come out. How did that whole thing come together? And how was it for you to get to work with uh, with the other guys and kind of pull off that stunt? That looked pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, for me, the coolest part was just being able to, kind of hang out a little bit with with Rossi and to be able to um you know just, just really play around on the infield of, of um you know Indianapolis and uh, Red Bull they always uh, kind of come to to me or any of their their athletes or whatever the heck you call us drivers people personalities <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they they basically say hey you get the keys to uh to Indy what do you want to do and for me that was the first thing I thought of I was like man you know, it'd be cool. We got to have that final thing that gets people's attention, which was kind of the crossover. Um, you know, it's something I knew we could do. We've kind of done similar things before, but I'm like, man, it's Indianapolis. You have to have an Indy car. Um, you know, a lot of the teams was off season and, um, I've, the Indy, all you, all the drivers, all you guys seem absolutely rad, like awesome. I just don't know many of you very, very well. Um, so I was like, I don't know who, who can we find that would, want to slide the thing around. It wouldn't mind taking off during their off season, um, you know, and, and come out. So it was, it was really cool. Rossi just to um, have you out, man. I so much more respect even just after that day, just you driving around. I mean, dude, those cars don't look easy to, to drive in general. And there was ice and water <laughs> and it was cold as, I mean, it was, it was cold. They said like 20 some degrees. That was, that was a lie. Was like complete lie. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was, it was one of those experiences that I don't think will ever happen again. Like an Indy car should not in any condition be driven in, in those, uh, temperatures a for just the, the, t- the tires don't work, but also, yeah, like I mean, Honda, legally, we're not usually allowed to drive no, in those conditions. No, Honda was was panicking because the, the engine temp and everything. And it was just, uh, it was cool that we were able to get it in because I think it's it's something that'll definitely never happen again in those conditions. I um, want to talk a little bit about kind of just your your personal life. So, so your wife's a pro skateboarder, which is awesome. So like, did you guys know each other like growing up or, or did you meet when you were kind of both in the action sports world or, or how did that come to be? No, I, I knew of Lindsay. She won her first uh, X games 
uh, gold medal when she was, I think, 14, either 13 or 14. Uh, she was the youngest person to ever win uh, X Games gold medal. Still the youngest girl. I think Sheckler won it at 13, was a little younger than she was. But um, oh, so wow. I'd known yeah. of her for a long time. Um, I guess the first time I really got to meet her, uh, per se, there was a press conference and I was doing the rally. Um, so they held the press conference because the first year at X, they had rally. It was cool. McCray came over and um, Tanner Faust and everybody was out there. It was, it was the best field we ever had. And, um, you know, we're up about two hours north of L.A. So I got a helicopter that flies me in. And I guess Lindsay was was there and they held all the other athletes there for like two hours saying, oh, he's, he's right there. So she misses her practice. And I come in. And I have no idea. I'm late. Like, I, I don't know. I just got done. I'm, you know, I'm like two tenths of a second behind Colin McCray, who was like all time like god to me and yeah he was jumping in on our cars our notes our everything so it was not really that fair but still i was like this is so cool so i'm like high five everyone and she was just so upset um <laughs> and i just <laughs> made in this practice for this press conference that i was late to and uh so that was the first time i got to meet her and then i met her another uh year or two later um we were just doing autograph signing um at uh zoomies 100k so up in the middle of just the cold and um, got to spend a little time with her and, uh, she said, yeah, I just, I do the, the mega ramp and I'm like, holy crap, we're starting this thing called nitro circus and there's no girls. I've reached out to every single girl that I know that's like can ride at all. And everyone said, basically gave me the middle finger and was like, yeah, I'm not going down what we have our version of the mega ramp, which is gigantic ramp. And, um, she's like, well, I've been doing that since I was 12. I was like, oh, well, yeah, you should come to Australia. And then we started dating and, uh, then we got married. <laughs> wow, there you go. That worked out. Um, that's, uh, so in terms of like your guys's um, like life, it's, is, is Nitro Circus something that, you know, you, you guys are going to continue competing in together? I mean, maybe you can't talk about it yet, but like what's, what's, what's the vision for what's next? Is, is there anything big on the horizon that, that you're thinking about doing? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of, I've been going back and forth between, um, racing and nitro circus. Um, you know, if I go full-time nitro, I kind of drop off the face of the, the earth and racing a little bit and, and, you know, it takes a, a year or two to kind of get back, um, competitive. Um, but I spent, you know, a lot of money in, in, uh, <laughs> in, in NASCAR trying to go left, not very good at pavement or turning left as it turns out. Um, <laughs> and then went, went, <laughs> uh, had my first kid with, uh, Addy, uh, and was like, all right, I need to be better with, with money and, uh, you know, kind of do what I'm do my, don't quit your day job as they say. Uh, so went back and then, um, to nitro and then had our second kid, uh, Bristol, uh, both girls and, was able to start rallying again and um took me three years to to get back on top where i won the, the u.s championship so that was that was a lot of fun and then um you know now trying to start the um the rally cross kind of up with nitro rally but um you know everyone said how can you take when we had two newborns pretty much on tour you know how can you take your kids around the world on tour traveling on a bus and i'm like man when you're on tour there are 30 of the most passionate positive, motivated, yeah, maybe delinquents to, to some extent. Um, you know, you have some, some Mormons uh, <laughs> that, that don't drink or swear. And you got some guys that are up all night partying and you got, uh, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of, of different groups. Some guys with no tattoos, some guys, 
with face tattoos, you know, I mean, like <laughs> you couldn't be more of an eclectic group, but they're all love what they do. And, um, you know, we're on a plane, there's, uh, there's 30 athletes plus their, you know, wives or girlfriends or whoever. And then you got, uh, mechanics and the guys that are setting up the show. So you have, you know, you're traveling with about a hundred, 150 people, um, depending on what, what show it is. And you're traveling the world where, you know, if you're on a 737, you pretty much have the whole plane and you have the whole bus and there's always somebody up hanging out with the kids and somebody, you know, they're, it's scary. They're always on bikes and dirt bikes and, uh, sliding down. They think the gigantic ramp is just a big slide, uh, which is super sketchy because it's, you know, it's really big and steep. Uh, <laughs> but we got uh, Razor, you know, Can-Ams are uh, side-by-sides to play around on and uh, take the kids over the jumps. And yeah, we just have a good time. So uh, tour life was great. But now my, uh, you know, my oldest just started kindergarten. So um, that's taken us and, and really slowed down the travel and, you know, hopefully stay home a lot more from here on out. So um, I'll travel a little bit. Uh, but now with Lindsay not really being able to travel as much, she went and, you know, dedicated her last year to um, that we could travel to really focusing on skating. And she won the world championship again last year, which was freaking awesome. It's awesome. Um, was thinking about going to the Olympics and then sprained an ankle the first time. I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so just uh, the young girls coming up are, are, are pretty impressive right now. So, um, you know, hopefully work, work more and be at home more. So you've got a you've got a family that's you know obviously used to doing a lot, being out, being active. It's you know both you, Lindsay, and the kids. How is self isolation going for you? We're obviously living in pretty crazy times. Are you guys just kind of out in your back backyard in Pastrana Land doing backflips and you know teaching the girls how to ride uh, ride bikes off of jumps or what's happening there in, in self isolation? Yeah, I mean to be honest, I was pretty much had the next two months where I was on the road and. Um, you know, they were going to try to come, uh, you know, to a race here or an event here. Um, but this really took my schedule and went from, you know, pin to 11 to zero. And my, um, my mother-in-law's here, Lindsay's mom is here. Um, you know, my parents both live in town. Um, we haven't really been able to see him <laughs> much, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, so that, that, that's kind of been sad, but um, just to be home with my kids, like I, that's, I know it's selfish and I hope everyone gets healthy and nobody, uh, you know, this, this thing ends as quick as it can, but, um, it's been really, really kind of a blessing in disguise for, for Lindsay, for me and for the, for the kids to, to really have this time, uh, one-on-one and, um, you know, kind of starting a homeschool program and, uh, it's been, been pretty fun. We got, uh, got them out on the bikes and stuff almost every day. And it's, it's great. I mean, not, you know, in our backyard. So it's, we're not around anybody, but sure, man. I mean, that's, uh, it's crazy. Like every, every negative thing, there's sometimes a blessing in disguise. So that's good to hear and, and happy that the family's good and, and you're getting some time at home and, um, making the most of it. So, um, yeah, I think that that kind of is all the questions we have for you. Tim, our, um, producer, who's really not a producer has, um, segments that if you have time. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you do you edit the podcast? No, but I mean, I <laughs> you also don't edit it very well. Um, <laughs> with that being said, uh, hey, Tim, wait. Okay, wait. Yeah, two two seconds. So I want to ask a question. Okay. So, all right. Love so it. So here's like I, I hear you're not very good with the whole um, like. I, do you have iRacing? I, I thought all you guys had to like. Do you have your own simulator? Can you go use like your 
factory driving simulator and then connect it to like iRacing and that just go pick way everyone's spot. Or, like, that. Dude, that would be awesome. So like, you know, we have each manufacturer has their own simulator. So Honda's got one, Chevy's got one. And you spend a lot of time as a driver of one of those two manufacturers pounding around in their respective sims over the course of a year. But you obviously got to share it with all the other people that drive for that manufacturer. And I, I'm one of the guys, I never had like a, a home sim. And so in light of everything that's happened, I've had to kind of like go out and start piecing one together because you know, e-racing is what's going to get us through the next couple months. And we've got our first IndyCar e-race coming up on Saturday. I don't even have all my stuff yet. So I'm borrowing a friend's. Uh, Alex just stole somebody else's rig and put it in his basement. So we're all trying to piece this together. Are you a big sim racer? Um, no, but I uh, I just got a call from Subaru and they said, hey, get on iRacing. After Indy starts this weekend, we're going to try to start this program with like all the the uh wrx guys and uh so i was actually online today with scott speed he was getting me up to up to speed no pun intended there and uh <laughs> just like in real life he's been kicking my ass on the sim so it's been very very disappointing didn't, day, didn't, didn't scott get banned from iRacing or was oh, it our factor it was something because he he got angry as scott can do sometimes and literally just didn't break for a corner and it was like during like a legit like championship race and fired like four guys off and like i think he got his whole his whole account and everything deactivated so you're gonna have to ask him about that because it's he was pretty pissed off about it when it happened it was was funny because this morning he goes yeah we have to get on a separate um kind of talk system not the i racing whatever yeah i was like oh why are you doing that he goes oh just in case you get mad and you know you just go off on people it's kind of frowned upon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> speaking from experience but it's so easy to do though that's the problem yeah oh for sure i like to talk crap i i, I wish we had communication to the other drivers while we're all racing i think it'd be hilarious wouldn't that be great if you could just key up and talk to whoever was in front of you or behind you and just you know like you say talk a bit of smack on the racetrack that'd be kind of fun mm-hmm. I, I i i think it'd be great i loved like even in motocross like my favorite people to race were the guys you knew we're going to try to knock you down every corner because then it's, then it's just becomes a game. And I mean, you know, as long as you're battling for first, I hated the guys that did it when you're like in 10th, you're like, all right, dude, we, <laughs> we got to pull this together and just work our way up. But, uh. Sorry. All That's right. Funny. Go back to your, your questions. I apologize. <laughs> oh man. No, no, no we, love, we love when you ask questions. Uh, so we're gonna we, uh, okay, but we're actually we're done with the questions. We're gonna move to a uh, a part of the show we like to call Battle Royale, and it's only something we do when we have a guest. And it's been a while since we've had a guest, so it's been a while since we've done this game. But I'm gonna toss it over to uh, reluctantly toss it over to producer Thim to explain the rules of Battle Royale. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, okay, so the the concept. Okay, it's enough from Tim. So let me explain. <laughs> How, no, I'm just kidding. You can go ahead. You can go ahead. <laughs> Oh, even in a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so the rules are pretty simple. I'm going to give you a, a group of characters. They can be real or fake. And you guys are going to argue about which of those characters would win in a full-on physical brawl. So the characters that you guys are going to choose from today are characters that Ben Affleck has played in movies. So anything Ben Affleck has played, you, that if all of them were together in a massive fight, who do you think would win? 
Okay, this is an interesting one. Now, Travis, I'm going to let you know just as a just a matter of housekeeping that Alex is notoriously bad at this game. So it's really just you and I playing. Um, and because, you know, because you're the guest, I'm going to give you the extra time to try to think of a character uh, for... Actually, you know what? No, Alex, we'll let you go first because it's almost irrelevant what you say. So just go ahead and, and throw out there whatever you think's right. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was torn between two. Um... I was torn be- between the character that Ben Affleck played in The Accountant, um, and okay. also the character that Dude. he played in Argo. And I'm gonna go with Argo because I think, in terms of like the badassery of of the character that he played, they were on on similar levels. Granted, The Accountant, he you know had a bigger gun, and and ultimately was probably more of a, a pimp in that regard but like the intelligence that he had in argo and how he in 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 light of who is a co-host on this podcast used the canadian passports and fake identities to get them out of iran um during that uh iranian revolution on the embassy on the u.s embassy canadians save the day uh, again just saying i thought i thought it was um pretty phenomenal because he combined like the, the the like manliness of being an assassin in a way with the intelligence of being like a spy so there you go so i'm i'm happy and sad with your answer i'm 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 happy because that's actually a pretty a pretty solid uh choice for you i'm sad because you also did Is reveal it? what my choice was which was well no let me tell let me finish the accountant is very clearly a more badass figure in a battle royale. Yeah, fine. Ben Affleck and Argo can pick up a phone and like maybe sneak a couple fake Canadian passports across the border. Nobody gives a damn if it's a battle royale. That guy sat there with I don't even know what it was, like a like a roller, like a kitchen like roller on his shins because he was so messed up and like the amount of pain that that guy could take and the amount of skill he had in killing other people. I'm sorry, the accountant is going to beat the crap out of Argo Ben Affleck 10 no, times out of 10. Not a chance. You got you to gotta think. I mean, hey, it was like Forrest Gump. I mean, you know, he was, you know, super good at ping pong, but what? he had he had a few mental issues, you know? I mean, <laughs> well, and that Travis, guy survived a war. You know, has to finish his puzzle. You just leave a puzzle piece on the ground and or have a bath bomb <laughs> that doesn't make sense and, and he's he's gone. You got nothing. He's not Rain Man. Well, he's all right, not, so he Travis, literally who's your has an arsenal. Yeah, dude, I swear to God, Travis, if you say Batman, I'm end, I'm ending this interview right now. Because he was the worst Batman in the history of Batman's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Batman is the the obvious choice. I mean, you can go back as far as dazed and confused. You know, he didn't. He seemed pretty uh, bendable there. But I'm gonna go Dogma. Oh, oh. good one! <laughs> oh. Wow, my man, wow. that is in wow. my top three favorite movies of all time. The fact that you went there, I mean, I I almost want to give it to you just based on that. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, I'm how, leaning towards how, giving how it to gonna, him anyway. How are you gonna beat a fallen angel, man? Come on. Yeah, he's an archangel. I mean, he's got he's got powers far and above beyond. That's true. He he did go a little bit. Yeah, you kind of killed it on that one, man. I'm super ashamed. I didn't. (laughs) I mean, I mean the whole the whole dogma. Damn it! The whole omnipotence (laughs) of an angel kind of ruins everything for us. So, 
Wow. I mean, yeah. yeah, usually we like to argue this out, but I think this is not even a competition anymore. Travis wins. Uh, just the yeah, body count I mean, alone. like, the movie okay. literally opens the with him and Matt Damon wasting second, an entire room of people. No. <laughs> Argo? Come on, man. Well, what Matt, are you Damon, doing? Matt Damon kills him in the beginning. Uh, he kills him at the end when he flies and picks him up and drops him. Um, yeah, so, yeah, true. Travis wins. Argo, you picked a Ben Affleck movie where he doesn't. He, I don't think he hits a single person in that movie. Like, yeah, he's CIA, but there's he doesn't do so. anything. I think he. I think he shot some people. I don't think he did. I think he <laughs> shot some people. I feel like he shot some people. <laughs> Either I way, mean, he didn't shoot as many people as the accountant, and he definitely didn't go as biblical on people as dogma. So, yeah, I'm sorry. You just you just yeah, don't even come second on that. I, Travis Travis is the clear winner there. So, uh, yeah, that was an easy Travis, one. I'm very impressed, my friend. I'm very impressed that you landed on Ben Affleck and dogma. I almost used Armageddon just because he referenced Evil Knievel in that one when he jumped the space rover thing over the, <laughs> over the big canyon. But the only problem with that one is that Bruce Willis is more badass in that movie than than Ben Affleck. Where like in Dogma, Ben Affleck's by far the most badass. In uh, The Accountant, he's by far the most badass. In Argo, yeah, I mean he's you know he's in it, but you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He's there. He's, he's present. Yeah. I mean, he showed up. He said some lines. All right. Sweet. James, you want to close this? Yeah, I got to say uh, not only a huge thank you, but a huge congratulations to Travis Pastrana for winning uh, the first Battle Royale of 2020. Uh, thanks so much, man, for coming on. We really do appreciate uh, you spending some time with us. Glad that you were willing to jump a rally car over... Uh, over Alex's IndyCar, and uh, yeah, man, hopefully we'll see you at a racetrack soon. Well, I'll, I'll be watching you guys uh, live virtual this this weekend. Good luck, y'all. Sweet, appreciate <laughs> Please it. don't. Please don't. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, hopefully you'll join us in the next one. I, I, I think I need an IndyCar license. I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to give me one of those. We can make that happen. If Ben Affleck can find some fake Canadian passports, we can find you an IndyCar license. No problem. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean thin. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.